thanks so much for coming back to join me for a special bonus episode. In season one of Art Therapy IRL, In Real Life, we explored the ways that art and expressive therapists were rising to the challenge of providing mental health care during the pandemic. Today, I'm joined by the art therapist and fellow podcaster, Vicki Lenane, for a special crossover episode. Vicki is an Irish art therapist working in person and online. Her mission is to use art to help folks of all ages recognize and celebrate their unique stories and accept their authentic selves. Her research has examined the ways that art therapy can serve as a tool for increasing empathy and addressing bullying in elementary schools. Vicki is also the host of the excellent podcast Embrace Therapy, where she hosts all kinds of therapists to talk about the work they do. In this episode, we chat about the ways the pandemic has shaped both of our practices, how to avoid burnout as an art therapist, and spirituality in creativity. This is Art Therapy, IRL, in real life. I'm your host, Amelia Hutchison. this is so exciting yeah I'm excited Um, as well I'm just chuffed to be doing this with you it's uh, such an opportunity Mm -hmm. thank you likewise yeah so for everyone listening uh this is kind of a special episode um Vicky and I are both art therapists and both podcast hosts so we thought it would be fun to do a crossover episode and just be in conversation with one another about the ways we practice the things that we have learned in in our work in art therapy and then also in the work of podcasting so yeah we're, we're fairly unique in that way you know we've got this little niche going on I'm a big fan of your podcast I just really think it's incredible and the guests that you've picked they're really just so interesting so I've been really enjoying the journey that you've been on um and my podcast I suppose started a little while ago so it's embrace therapy podcast um, and yeah, so it's, it's just really nice to do this podcaster to podcaster. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and your podcast was such an influence. Um, when I was starting to record my podcast was initially, um, my thesis research or my capstone research, um, for my graduate diploma. And I was kind of looking around like who, who is having these conversations, who is, you know, talking about our, our field and, and starting to elevate it in this way. And you're that person you've had such a prolific podcast interviewing different kinds of therapists all around the world and bringing those conversations about mental health into, into light. So thank you for the inspiration and for kind of leading the way. Oh, thank you. Well, it, it really just started small and it's really nice to see that it's, it's continuing to grow alongside me. So I I really like that. And I'm just delighted that there's some people checking it out, you know, so it's Mm -hmm. great. (laughs) Well, why don't we both start by just giving a brief introduction? Um, mm. Who are we? So who are yes. you? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very important, isn't it? And uh, and it's always hard as well. You know, when you have a new client coming in, you know, they have to get to know you as well as you getting to know them. So it's a very important question. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm Vicky Lenane. I'm based in Ireland in Europe. So it's a small little island. But, yeah, we are well known all across the world. So that's where I am. Um, and yeah, I'm an art therapist since 2015. Um, but, but before that, I would have done creative arts facilitation in hospitals. So I've got 
my foot in the door for years in this kind of way of using art in uh, in kind of a well-being situ um, and just seeing it as therapeutic. So yeah, I've been doing this a while. Um, mm. And the podcasting was just an extra thing that kind of came about. But um, but yeah, I suppose that's probably a short answer for now. But would you like to answer the question? Who are you? <laughs> I'm Amelia, Amelia Hutchison, and I'm a Canadian art therapist. I'm an uninvited guest on Sinaiq's territory, also known as Winlaw, British Columbia. Um, and I think I have kind of a similar kind of backstory as you. I did lots of creative arts facilitation leading up to, to becoming an art therapist. My focus was um, kind of community arts, lots of rehabilitation centers and prisons and kind of using art as a way of holding conversations about social justice or community space. And then moved into uh, studying art therapy, graduated uh, about a year ago or a year and a half ago. And I've been working online ever since. just fantastic Mm -hmm. it's lovely to hear that you had that experience before you know going into the the qualification and for the the part of you that like really likes being in the room with people and then going online for your first like how did you find that that must have been hard I'd imagine well it was such an interesting thing to graduate from art therapy Mm. school all of my practicum um in Canada, you need around 350 hours kind of in the course of your program of direct client work. And all of that had been in person. So my training was very much kind of an in the room, regulating with someone, sharing materials, like being with someone else's body. And then uh, the pandemic hit and I graduated two months later into a very different world and a very different kind of landscape for practicing. Yeah. So I don't know what it would have been like to to do it any other way, but I have been just amazed and blown away at what's been possible online and the accessibility it's created. Um, the connection that's possible through zoom has really surprised me. Um, and I think it's exciting that, you know, this, this modality that most people think of as being so much so tactile, so reliant on being in person, it can translate, right? And not not every situation and every every client relationship is perfect for online, and that's that's totally okay. That's our jobs as as clinicians to to determine whether or not it's going to be a good fit for for online therapy. But um, overall, I think I've learned so much in the course of first of all interviewing people and being in dialogue with other therapists about how they work online, and then having you know wonderful opportunities to begin client relationships and see them through that way totally yeah Uh, Mm -hmm. I really see that you know I suppose moving onto online in some way uh just opens a whole other kind of way of working I guess it's uh I, I would never be a pessimist anyway but I I would see just so much opportunity and like, I really do think, like, I, I totally hear what everybody would think about art therapy, like being so visceral and, you know, needing to share the materials with each other and stuff. But, you know, the basics that you have at home, whatever you have right now is just enough, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, it that's really something is. I think is really exciting when someone comes in and mm. like, oh my gosh, do I need to go to the art supply store? Do I need to buy a bunch of expensive materials? 
like some of my favorite uh, interventions with clients are things that require no art materials or Mm -hmm. a single piece of paper or creating a sculpture of found materials just from around your home and beginning to see the things that just surround you on a daily basis as being creative tools. Exactly. So I I definitely find that that's been something that I've been doing a lot as well. Well, so what's your journey been, um, around working online? How has the pandemic shaped your practice? You've got a solid footing in working in person with clients. What was your journey through the digital world and the pandemic? I suppose the great thing was all the clients I had already, you know, were the ones jumping on with me. So we're Mm kind of going through it together. Uh, so that was quite nice. Um, and like that, again, it took some people, um, just an hour to be with me to get that like oh this is for me and then other people were like yeah no no you know two sessions in yeah I can't I'm gonna have to to wait till we're back in the room and that was fine everybody's different um what I found really worked well was um using the space for other therapists um and providing that space for them to use the art like they might be psychotherapists, just talk therapists, counselors, and giving them the opportunity to, to connect with themselves through Zoom. And I, that was great. I did work with another art therapist called Heidi Morrison, and, and we did great work over the year. Oh, just wow. Connecting uh, and doing art. And obviously, because we're all therapists, we could kind of go to the same place, I suppose, and, and feel safe that we could do the work. So I think that's something I'm going to take away, knowing that I can kind of pool again on those kind of resources that I've pulled on already and and know that that's something I can just step into uh, to do kind of a group work like that good learning was it you facilitating the group for other kinds of therapists Mm. or was it kind of a a group support type of thing I suppose it started out with being very much like facilitating Mm -hmm. and then I suppose because we were all therapists it did end up being a little bit more fruitful and becoming a little bit more peer it Mm -hmm. ended up being kind of a group process as well but yeah so that was something totally different and uh I'll take that away from from the pandemic Um, well I'm glad you bring up the peer support piece because I think one of the things I love about about your show is there's this kind of pulling back of the curtain for therapists um and it's really wonderful I think to know and hear more about the ways that therapists support themselves and support each other and and what goes into making sure that they're kind of ready and able to hold that space for people when it comes time and, you know, gathering together, sharing and experiences, offering, you know, peer support or supervision or whatever the process is Mm -hmm. that, you know, helps you navigate the pandemic or navigate kind of a new way of being, whether it's online or outside or, or whatever the circumstance yeah oh it's so important isn't it um I suppose you know the embrace pod therapy podcast I suppose did start off as a whatsapp group Mm. (laughs) and it was exactly that it was just that peer support I asked you know so many people that come onto my podcast like what is self-care to you so I'd love to ask you that question as well Amelia of like like what fills your cup like what makes you feel solid going into work I suppose a safe container you know, mm. knowing that you can provide that space and uh, be that stillness. I think mm. that's very important. What works for you? 
Well, carrying on with what you, you were sharing, um, supervision and peer support are huge. I actually have two supervisors, um, with slightly different disciplines, depending on, on the work I'm doing. I see a counselor and social worker in the context of, of one job. And then I have a clinical supervisor who's both a counselor and an art therapist. So lots and lots of support from just incredible therapists who've been doing the work for a very long time. Um, So I have, you know, this very regular opportunity to come and, you know, bring forward what I'm, what I'm doing with clients, what I'm going through, um, and just have that professional support. So that's Mm -hmm. definitely one. And then peer support as well, like staying really well connected with the cohort of art therapists I graduated with. And, you know, we've all gone in very different directions. Like there's some people doing work with only kids. There's some people doing like equine art therapy. So art therapy with horses. Um, (laughs) There's people in all sorts of different corners of, of the mental health world and being able to kind of generally, obviously respecting confidentiality, but come together and just share in the experience of like, what is it like to be a new art therapist in this field? Um, So I feel... I feel very supported by just, you know, my, my kind of 10 or my, my cohort of, of 10 other art therapists who graduated around the same time. So I guess that's professionally what, um, what keeps me well personally staying in my own art practice is really huge. It can be really easy. Like, I'm not sure if this has been your experience to, you know, go through a program or, um, to be doing art therapy in, in your daily life, but then forget to do it with yourself. So I, I have a daily ritual of doing morning pages. Um, so that's just three pages of automatic writing. I see you're just nodding your head Gorgeous. So for, for anyone who doesn't know morning pages. It comes from, from Julia Cameron's book, the artist's way. And it's just a really simple practice of opening up your journal every morning. First thing, when you wake up and just Mm-hmm. automatic writing, three pages, anything that comes out. So I find like, that's a way I keep my wheel clear is doing that. And then, I mean, whatever else needs to happen being in my body, maybe that's a movement practice one day, maybe that's an art practice another day, maybe that's going outside and taking the dog for a really long walk, but lots of opportunities just to check in mm-hmm. and then, you know, and then not overworking, which is, which is tough, not over scheduling yourself. Um, but yeah, like scheduling in time for yourself, like having um, a date with yourself, as as my supervisor has said, is so important. Um, and I've gotten into the habit of actually penciling in like in between. So let's say if I have Friday, I might have three clients in the morning and then I have my lunch, but I'll also pencil in an hour for me. Um, Beautiful. Um, so, yeah, it is hard. You're, you're constantly juggling and, and trying to fit in time for you. Because otherwise your clients are going to feel that, you know, that skidding, that unsteadiness. So yeah, connecting with nature, like you said, going for a walk with the dog uh, is very important. Moving. So like any kind of movement, no matter how short it is, is something that I do all the time. And then the main thing for me is, um, is playback theater. I've talked about it on my podcast, but I'm happy to talk about it here with you. Yes, please. Um, Yeah. So I'm part of a playback theater company called Full Circle. Every Monday I'm transported. Like, you know, we have people from Poland, Germany and America joining us. And yeah, all those little boxes on the screen, we have 
moved and cried every like we've done everything together and it's amazing it's um it's like improv basically you are retelling the story of of the teller so you have somebody tell their story and then you retell it to them uh, through your body voice um and you can you can use everything I suppose in the space so sometimes I might bring in some scarves or props as well so it's, it's oh, beautiful wow. yeah it's it's just beautiful to come from that place like your morning pages I feel it's kind of similar it's just emptying and then refilling or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, It reminds me of um, this really beautiful question that comes from the book, how to not always be working by Marley Grace. Mm. Um, Do you know the one? I do. I do. Yeah. Uh, And Yeah. yeah, there's this beautiful question of, okay, what is my work and what's not my work? And just getting really clear on those subtle distinctions. And, you know, as creative people, I find it, the, the distinction can be kind of blurry if you're a person that loves art or has an art practice. And then that comes into the work you do with clients. Mm-hmm. But I think what I'm hearing is like, okay, there's these times in the week where I'm doing something that it's just for me or it's just for my family or my community. It's not necessarily directly going to be involved in, in my job. Like it might not go on Instagram. It might not be communicated to a client. Like it's just for me. Like what are those little pockets in, in your routine that are reserved just, just for your soul, just for your own mental health? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's so important to ask yourself those questions, isn't it? Like doing something mindfully, obviously is, is very important. Um, so even if it's just baking for you, because you deserve this time and you deserve to eat that cake, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, whatever it might be. And it could be just that lack of body in the room maybe as well, even though I'm, I'm in the room, but you know, and, and actually Amelia, when do you plan on getting back into the room or do you plan? Are you quite happy? <laughs> well, it's interesting. So I miss the room. I really miss being in person with clients. I think especially I just miss offering materials. Like yeah. it's a really different experience, art therapy, if um, you're arriving on your Zoom screen and you have pencils and paper and glue, as opposed to coming into an art therapy studio where there's you know four or five shelves just full of every material you could imagine. And you can just, you can take everything and use everything. So I do miss, I miss being able to offer that. That said, um, at the beginning of the pandemic, I moved to a really rural part of British Columbia. Um, it's a, it's a small community. I also you know live in the community where, where I study the art therapy. So there's a lot of art therapists here. So I think the online is working for me, at least for this, this chapter of my life. I think, I think I'm really happy to keep exploring this and keep figuring out how to do this really, really well. And then I anticipate maybe five years from now, or, or at some point when it feels like the right move to find a space and get back to that. But for now, I don't have any plans of, of going back. Mm, Gorgeous. And who are the people that you would work with generally online? Like what kind of person comes to you, you know, Mm. or uh, who do you see right now? Right. So it's all adults. Um, Generally I see women. but I work for an organization called Shannon Maroney and Associates. So Shannon Maroney is one of my supervisors. And with her organization, uh, we focus on supporting people in achieving post-traumatic growth, oftentimes through justice system journeys. Mm. So that's, that's really interesting work. Um, 
and, you know, my own experience navigating the justice system definitely, definitely informs that. Mm. So that's kind of one facet. And then just in my own private practice, I also see adults and I think the general through line, uh, through, through all of the work is usually trauma or grief, but big life transition uh, are kinds of the topics that, that I end up working with, with art therapy. Mm-hmm. How about you? Um, it's interesting. Cause, um, right now it would be mostly children. Um, and most of them would be from 10 to 14. Um, which is some, I suppose some part of me didn't want to work with kids. <laughs> you know, I actually really just wanted to work with adults. But then somewhere along the way, probably becoming a mother had to do a lot to do with it. But somewhere along the way, I was like, intervention, you know, at an earlier age, you know, if I can get to, to that adult before, you know, the damage was really starting to, to come. And, and some of the cases, I suppose, would be uh, just the, the attachment style kind of piece. And a lot of the time, it's actually transitional kind of things as well. Just parents going through separation, divorce can be quite a common one. Um, or even just something so simple as like having a new sibling. That can yeah. really, that can have such a big impact on, on another child. Obviously, I, I have a lot of experience in um, mental health and in hospitals, uh, working with adults. Um, so when I do see a child coming to me, I do work with the family too because a lot of the time that trauma is, you know, it's come from somewhere else, you know, it's generational. I think down the line, like you're talking about five years time, I think, yeah, five more years, I hope to be doing family systems uh, therapy. Oh, it just looks so good. and so interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, I think, yeah, I'm kind of going to put that out there in the ether and be like, you know, somebody give me the money and I will do that. (laughs) How do you imagine that would look or work? Like what is doing art therapy with a family look like? For me, yeah, I think my vision would be um, to work in the place where I am right now, which is called Soworth, um, and it's in the middle of this beautiful landscape. It's got a natural forest there, and it's gorgeous. Um, And there's this lovely big room, and I could just see families after family coming in and and just doing the work there. Um, Yeah, I suppose the vision would be just to to help, you know, stop the rot in families. Mm -hmm you know, in some way be that uh, crossroads for them to kind of, am I going to continue this trauma being such a unspoken thing? Um, yeah, it, it's a big one, isn't it? It's like, you know, once you open that door with a family, you know, all those skeletons come out and what do you do then? Like, you know, you know, what's the art therapist going to do then? You know, so I, I feel like that's something down the line that I'm going to do. Um, it's a beautiful yeah. mission I love that and I, I think you know when we get into this line of work you know especially the art we're curious people <laughs> you know and uh, and I think we pick up on a lot more from from people than others like you know what I mean like that kind of creative person we have a lot more empathy maybe I don't know what do you think what is the difference what what does what makes an art therapist <laughs> uh, I think it's it's um a practiced skill of noticing the way I was trained had a lot to do with phenomenology or the question of like, what do you see? What are you noticing? What is happening right in front of you? And you know, some people can 
frame that as a kind of mindful practice, just being with what is, but you know, in art, it's, it's such a clear question. Like you're sitting with a piece, it's been made with visual media perhaps, and you're taking the time and you have support in answering the question. Like what, what am I noticing about this? And that's, that's an incredibly valuable question. Like I think about the context of family, you know, making something and then stepping back and say, okay, you know, what are we noticing about what we made, how we made it, what, what's here and Mm -hmm. taking or leaving the metaphors that come out or the processes that came out. Like there's so much material to work with when we're using the visual materials or the tactile materials. And it's, it's so revealing. So I think what makes an art therapist is, having a lot of reverence and patience and curiosity for the question of, of what am I noticing? What do I see? Mm. Mm. Lovely. That's so gorgeous. I suppose that kind of leads on a little bit then to the whole self. And, and you said before in a, in a podcast as well, uh, capital S self. I loved that. I just wrote that down as like, I really like that. I know we, we see it when we type, you know, certain things like, you know, in our research or something, we might say that, but to actually say it like capital S self, I don't know. It just got me goosebumps. It's like, mm. yeah, so nice. Um, and do you find that you uh, provoke the capital S self in your clients or like how does that come about like yeah it's a beautiful question so I think when I say capital s self um I mean we're talking about spiritual practice here or how someone might relate to what is bigger than themselves or a higher power or whatever language feels comfortable for them and it's different for every single person. Uh, it, it, you know, it's funny that we're having this conversation because just this morning I sat down with my morning pages and with some with some watercolor paints and was really kind of trying to dig into the question of what what do I mean when I say self or higher power? And truthfully, I don't know. And I think that's where I like to keep it. You know, I think I know what it feels like. It feels like being in flow with creativity. It feels like sharing or being witnessed. It feels like kind of getting a really good idea feeling. Um, It feels like being connected. So when, when we talk about kind of getting close to capital S self, it's going to mean something radically different for every single person. But, you know, my hope is that an art practice and a practice of noticing can get people to a place where they're feeling close to themselves, you know, whether that is close to God, you know, with a capital G because they have a relationship to spirituality or religion, whether that means going out into nature and just feeling like a, like a human animal on the earth, or whether it means that they've, you know, got to put aside the to-do list for, for some time and just be in a creative, a creative process. So for some people that might be something spiritual for some people that might just be a settling of the nervous system. Yes. I really like that. You said that the nervous system, because it it's, it's also, um, I suppose it's interesting to, to look at it that way, you know, because a lot of the research right now really, really underpins what we do and supports it and backs it up. It's gorgeous. Polyvagal theory, you know, like it's gorgeous to see that work come out. But it misses that spiritual side of us, you know, and I think that's where the art can kind of come in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think, you know, I, I was working with um, a, a parent and child the other day and 
I obviously love clay. I talk about it a lot in, in my podcast. It would be my go-to. But the question that one of them had was, uh, what's it what's it about clay like what why why clay and I'm like well what you tell me what about it like you know um and and for them it was just the sensation and that was it you know just feeling the coldness against the, the skin and stuff but for me like I was like well it taps into us like you know back in the cave making pots you know it taps into something bigger something old enough well how about for you what is what is the spiritual and art in art therapy for you it is like having another presence, you know, like, and that's why I chose the triangle for, for my um, logo in Rich Art Therapy, the, the logo of the triangle, which is, you know, two people and the art. Um, but it is that like we're, and, you know, Freud would have talked about it and Jung would have talked about it. Just this, there's always another, you know, and for us, it's, it's the art making process having that there it's like it's almost like being in the car and having a conversation it's like your attention is on you know straight ahead uh, and it can be just that for some people it can be just easier to have the focus on something else uh, especially for people with anxiety um, it can be really nice to just have something else in the room to take the focus for a while but then the magic happens and it's it's really hard to quantify it's phenomenon but um, we need to get better at that, I think. Well, I definitely do. Uh, getting better at explaining what the magic is. But it is that making sense of self. Mm-hmm. Uh, unraveling and, and and putting it back together. I think we do and we don't, right? Like <laughs> there's there's a place of, you know, I, and especially as an art therapist, because you know, oftentimes our field gets judged as not being solid enough or evidence-based enough. And it is like, I am so eager to, to share, you know, the ways that art therapy practice is like incredibly effective, um, and supported by research. And then there's this place, like we use the word magic and I would use the word magic too. Mm. Um, you know, I don't know exactly how to explain what happens when something gets made. And then it, it always seems to feel relevant. Mm-hmm. And it always seems to kind of carry a message and whether that's just the incredible, you know, innate human ability to kind of make myth and pattern and meaning, which mm-hmm. like, let's call that magic. Or if it's a way of attuning to, you know, I, I almost can't even put it into words and I'm really fine with that. Mm, yeah. Just accepting mm-hmm. that. Um, another word for it, for it is alchemy, you know, that mm-hmm. the alchemist and uh yeah magic and alchemy it's not nice to be the facilitator of that you know to to facilitate that change uh for someone I just love doing it so much you know if in a case of let's say like something like domestic violence it's, it's giving an opportunity to go somewhere safe providing that safe place it can be so important mm-hmm. well and that's you know that's I think the incredible thing about this field is the versatility like if someone needs the very concrete, like I need to make art in this way with this process, kneading clay, doing something repetitive because it calms my nervous system. Incredible, perfect art therapy. And if someone needs to approach it from a place of, I am looking to commune with the divine or whatever spiritual practice they, they feel resonant with there's space for that as well. I'm, I'm curious as well, like 
you're you're here in the place like you've kind of returned back to the place where you were doing your studies and there's art therapists around you do you find that sometimes the place where you're situated has a impact on your work you know oh yeah the location yeah that's it's an interesting question this is the only place I've practiced art therapy um in inside a sunny office in in my little home in the forest but you know I think back to to an interview uh in in the first season of my podcast with Sarah West who is an eco art therapist who thinks about the art therapy relationship not as a triangle but as you described, but also including the context of, of the place of the land and the voice of the land as kind of co-conspirator to the process. So I think there's a definite effect on my nervous system being in the place that I'm in. Mm -hmm. I notice like when I'm in the city or when I'm even in the next town over, there's a different kind of settling that happens. And I think what I'm noticing kind of a year and a half into to doing art therapy work is that I do my best work from the forest, from this quiet place when I can walk to the river between sessions and when I, I have this geographical space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you? How does place or the room or the landscape affects how you show up? Yeah, I really do think it has a lot to do with it. So I totally agree that it is that context and that extra holding. Um, and for me you know working in so uh in this beautiful location there's like highland cows you know these ones with the horns and the fringes yeah. and there's them just like outside the window and then you know these beautiful trees all around us and the drive in i literally smile every single time i pull in mm. to where i work and um, that location is magic and then having other experiences i suppose in working in psychiatric hospitals and you know there's there's no windows in a few of them and that despair you know it's there uh, it has it has its holding i suppose in insofar as it keeps certain people safe which they need but it's not a hug safe like you know you know right. that kind of it, it's actually um almost like a choking like it, it doesn't enable that creative flow and actually when that happens sometimes you can have um some people you know let's say on an mdt a multidisciplinary team being like you know you're you're opening too much uh, of of my client you know that kind of thing that happens you know oh wow yeah what i mean by that is context has a lot to do with it and if you can incorporate nature or if you can bring something from that place it can be felt but I, I, I would like everybody to, to do art therapy in nature at some time. I think, yeah, it's very cool. It's different. Um, and I, I, I really do have a lot of passion for, for those that are doing eco art therapy at the moment. Oh, so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's such incredible work. Oh, so good. Um, and like, just even that, like there's so much science around the forest floor and what it does for our lungs. And, uh, you know, even if it's just a few minutes, 50 minute session in the forest with the forest floor there, you know, you're going to be feeling so much better. Your lungs are going to be clearer. And thank you. <laughs> thank <Yeah>. you, forest. <laughs> That's it. Um, but yeah, we're, I suppose there's a lot of privilege in that, you know, in, in, in having the space that I have, um, and I suppose for anyone that's listening there and they just have what they have, 
just just know that even giving yourself permission to buy some beautiful plants and uh, bringing in some sand for yourself to connect with nature that that's perfectly fine yeah yeah something I, I carry with me um, is an experience around just the importance of place for people in their healing journeys um, it's a memory of being 18 like I was fresh into my undergraduate uh, degree living in Baltimore. And there was this community arts program where students could go and kind of facilitate art workshops and, and hold creative space for other people. And I was working in the Baltimore city detention center in their psychiatric ward. It was an all men's ward. And on the first day we just did a poll, like had everyone write, you know, what do you want to, what do you want to experience? What kind of materials might you want to work with? Like, how would you like, like to experience the space? And we collected all of the, um, the sheets of paper so we could get some ideas. And one just said, I want to be out of myself for an hour. Wow. I just yeah. want to, you know, have a change of scenery and how, how completely important, um, agency and being able to change your physical surroundings are to a person's healing. And you know, what ended up happening over the course of the months that we, we spent, at that detention center was we were able to put art up on the walls, which was mm. huge. It took a lot of kind of requesting and getting permission to actually just leave art up between sessions. But, you know, the group participants, I remember saying, or remember hearing them say, you know, it, it feels so different in here. People come from other, other wards or other parts of the facility. And there's a palpable difference because instead mm. of it being cinder blocks and artificial light, mm you know, there's color in here and people really reflected back to us that, yeah, this is actually a really been a really important thing is just having a change of scenery, you know, and that's a, you know, a very extreme limited example. It, you know, the effect is amplified when you can actually have outdoor space and, you know, are actually given freedom. Like there's a lot, <laughs> there's yes. a lot there, but yeah, no, it's a beautiful example. And, and why not have it the, the, the person who's making the art feeling that empowerment? Mm -hmm. Yeah, put it up on the wall. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. something, you know, a huge question that we ask mm. after, after the art process is done is, okay, what now? Does this yeah. need to be burned? Do you need to rip it yes. into confetti and throw it up in the air? Do you need to <laughs> lock it away in a journal? Or does it need to go up on the wall? Like, does it need to have a frame that fits it perfectly? And do you need to surround yourself with it? very important isn't it mm -hmm. yeah I love those questions at the end because I don't think a lot of the clients actually think that far ahead obviously you know but yeah the fun that can be had with tearing up a piece ah oh, <laughs> it's so much fun I love that Oh, mm. so and the good. understanding that the art doesn't end like no. yes we've had this process we've been together for an hour you've made something and how do you want this experience to continue living on into your life are we closing it with ceremony or are you preserving it yeah. with some other kind of ceremony yeah and and you know that that again is another bonus <laughs> of, of of doing art therapy you can preserve it you know, that is something very special, you know? Um, yeah, I suppose, you know, for me, my experiences, um, with something kind of a bit different was, I suppose, encourage and empower, uh, children who had been bullied and to also, um, improve and I suppose, encourage empathy in, in the bystanders, 
in the school, I would have started the workshop going like, you know, we're, we're not going to keep any of the art today. I know, mm-hmm. you know, being quite clear with that um, and that this is staying in this moment. So you don't need to look at it again. And like, that was quite important. Um, and also bringing in something really random to kind of get them like, you know, an icebreaker. So I, I would come in with a big bucket of potatoes, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, and I just loved it. And it's something that I, I, I loved bringing in and everybody always found it so funny, but they would write, write a story and a lifestyle. And, uh, you know, they'd write this beautiful story about this potato in groups of four, let's say, and, and they'd, you know, really create something. So some of them would be like super spud or whatever, you know, they'd be very creative. Um, and, and then at the end of it all, we put it back put this uh, character back in the bucket and I'd get them to see if they could find them again you know and they could never they were like you know oh maybe that's mine and oh oh I can't really tell they're all very similar but like you know just we're all you know so different but all very similar at the same time noticing that one might be picked out and, and and kind of picked on for its differences and talking about that and just seeing the change in the and and the conversations that you know really young kids can have about themselves and about their peers and the light switch kind of going on of being like oh okay so they really didn't feel good you know Mm. when I did such and such you know and 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 for it to be just one day kind of thing I think it was very important like if they had their art that they did with me up on the wall I think that would have been painful so it's kind of knowing when to do that as well and coming in with certain goals. So that was a program, very important work, I suppose, especially working with, with young, young children. You know? And so was this your, this was your thesis research, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. It was. I, yeah. Like my thesis is a long time ago, but it was trying to, to see what art therapy would be like um, as an intervention for bullying. So it, it, it is a good tool, absolutely for any school, um, but it has to be, um, I suppose well established in the school and and maintained and it can work there's so much research there like so much research like Norway Sweden Japan from the ages like three and up uh, empathy can be really established and that bullying tendencies decrease immensely through art therapy wow so, yeah yeah. Well, and I just, I love that intervention <laughs> and this idea of going and creating a whole narrative, having this relationship with this, this potato, this visual yeah. thing, and then back into the bucket and, oh, wait, which one was it? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's so powerful. Yeah. Oh, and there's, there's so much opportunity like that. Like even, you know, Goldie Hawn with her mind up, uh, school that, and foundation that she has in Florida and, and, and other countries as well. She's got her feet kind of everywhere, I suppose now, but that mind up kind of campaign was to do with, you know, instilling mindfulness in children from the age of three up um, and especially to, to build empathy. So there won't be much bullying anymore, but bringing in the art on top of that, just give that extra exploration and, and deeper process at big aha moments for little ones. So that was really yeah. cool. Um, well, it really helps us mentalize, right? Like yeah. getting what's happening inside your mind out. Like this is, mm-hmm. You know, what I find is so incredible, especially for kids with art therapy is they get to assert control over something outside themselves, or yeah. I'm having this feeling, what does it look like in plasticine? Or, you know, I wonder what it is like for this other person, this other character. And you get to practice that in a really safe way with art materials. Mm-hmm. What about you? What did you do for your thesis? So my thesis was my podcast. Um, 
would call it a capstone because it wasn't as much of like an academic paper. It was kind of a more creative project. My school really encouraged that. But the, the big question I came into the podcast with was, can we maintain the integrity and the specialness of art therapy if we're working online? Or how are we adapting to the pandemic and kind of keeping the good work that we do happening, you know, whether it's outside, whether it's online, whether it's adapting. So that question has been so topical just in terms of my work in the last year and a half, but also for our whole field. There's more that we're learning all the time about what situations and what types of um, clients and needs are really suited to online work. Yeah, that's the, the research was was this series of conversations that you know, some, some folks listening will have heard with different art and expressive therapists across Canada and the United States about how they have approached pandemic era art therapy. Mm, yeah. And it's very important, isn't it, to have um, this written down <laughs> as well, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and logged in, in a podcast for, for history, you know what I mean? Like it's a very important time and um there's big learning in this, definitely. Huge learning. You know, we're at this very mm. special moment, I think, in our field of there's been this big shift. We've had to adapt. And now we are really coming into understanding about what's been working, how we might adjust things, like how do we proceed and what are the best tools in our tool belt for offering you know, creative resources to people. I feel like our conversation has kind of come, come full circle. Um, well, why don't we, why don't we end on, on the question of hope, right? You and I have both been navigating these similar worlds, working online, being in these processes of connecting and engaging with other art therapists from around the globe. What is giving you hope right now as we come towards the end of, of this year? I suppose in Ireland, uh, you know, right now, people are talking more about their mental health Mm. and and when they're ill they're not embarrassed they're actually talking about it and that's giving me hope because conversations are now being had and whereas before you know people might put it down to physical illness but no now like I'm finding people my age and older being honest and I I just I'm so hopeful for that 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 this is only going to continue and this conversation doesn't end here art therapists and other creative arts therapists we can all do our part to to help you know we are healthcare professionals you know and I think we're we're kind of standing up to that plate now and uh people are ready for us Mm. and uh I think they're more accepting which is great Mm -hmm. yeah all ages so I'm very hopeful for anybody that's thinking about stepping into this career you know go for it about you, Amelia? <laughs> oh, you know what? I'm going to jump, jump off of that, um, that point as well. I think the deeper literacy around mental health that we've been witnessing in, just in the past few years, like I feel like conversations about attachment style or about how trauma affects the brain or about neurodivergence, mm. like those are becoming way more commonplace. And I'm seeing the average person have so much more language for what's going on with their mental health and it's taking the stigma way, way down. So I'm just, it makes me so hopeful to be in an era where there are these conversations happening. Oh, that's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So yeah, here, here. <laughs> gorgeous. Wonderful. Oh, thank you so much, Amelia. This has been gorgeous. Yeah, so this nice. has been wonderful. Uh, where can people yeah. find you if they're are looking yeah. for more information about the work you do, how to work with you, how to listen to your podcast? Yeah. So you can just type in on your phone, anywhere you like, Enrich Art Therapy. And I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. And then the podcast is Embrace Therapy Podcast. And you can get that anywhere, Acast, anywhere you like. Um, and what about you, Amelia? Where can people find you to get in touch and, and perhaps to have some sessions with you? Yeah, so I'm offering groups and um, sessions on lots of different topics right now. You can find more information about those on my Instagram primarily. That's Art Therapy IRL, IRL standing for in real life. You can find my website, which is arttherapyinreallife.com. And then you can also find me and my podcast on all platforms that uh, podcasts are available on also by the same name, Art Therapy IRL. Um, I, when I, when I came across yours, I was like, IRL, is that Ireland? Cause like sometimes when, <laughs> cause I was like, is this so cool? There's another person. And then I was like, oh, in real life, that's even cooler. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So nice. So nice. Um, oh, thank you so much for the opportunity. And, uh, yeah, it's just so nice to, to link in with you and, uh, I really wish you well. In the yeah. Likewise. And, I'm, I'm really yeah. grateful to have had the chance to collaborate in this way. This show is recorded and produced on the traditional unceded territory of the Sinaiaks peoples. I'd like to offer my deepest gratitude to all ancestors and keepers of the land I work on. The theme music for this show was mixed by Mina Hebert, who is also a brilliant art therapist. You can find her work and the art therapy groups we run together at www.moonmadestudios.com. If you're enjoying the show, and if you'd like a second season, let me know. You can also help other people find these conversations by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you're an art therapist or an art therapy student, then I'd really love to hear from you. I'd love to know how you are navigating the field of digital therapy and using social media in a way that feels good for you. To learn more about art therapy, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at arttherapyirl. You can also visit my website, www arttherapyinreallife.com. Until next season, thanks so much for tuning in.